Welcome to the Poetry Society of Texas podcast. I'm Terry Jude Miller, your host for this episode. Tonight, our guest is Christine Irving. Christine is first and foremost a storyteller. Her favorite métier is poetry, but her body of work also includes novels, memoir, and travel writing. Christine is most interested in the strands of commonality that link one thing to another and thus to all things. Her lifelong study of myth, fairy tales, and symbolism helps discover such connections while enriching the images she creates with words. Return to Yanana is mythopoic exploration of the myth of Iana and its relevance in the lives of contemporary women. She is the author of five books of poetry and her poem, Hardwood, won first place in the 2017 National Federation of State Poetry Society's Poetry Contest. Her latest work is a collaboration of poet Susan Maxwell Campbell, Ping Pong Poems, an experiment in poetic dialogue. Christine co-hosts a monthly open poetry mic in Denton, Texas. Her website is www.christineirving.com. Welcome, Christine. Thank you, Terry. Nice to be here. Thank you for being here. So let's jump right in with some questions. Do you have any special techniques for editing or revising a poem? Well, the most helpful thing I do is read it aloud. The places where I stumble or falter are clues to where the rhythm of my poem is off. And I can hear that. Sometimes I even walk the poem, which is um, physically walking as I read the poem aloud to myself, like a hallway works perfectly. And that way I can actually feel any discordance in my body. And it also helps me to hear someone else read the poem aloud. Then I can test the punctuation and the line breaks because it's really important to me that my meaning isn't lost because of a misplaced or absent comma if somebody else is reading it. That's tremendously interesting. It's a great method. Would you prefer to read or listen to poetry? I'd almost rather hear a poem than read it. I just love the added depth and richness that voice and body language bring to the poem. And there are so many degrees of nuance and understanding that get lost for me in the translation from ear to page. So when I have the actual poet up there, it's, it's wonderful. Good, wonderful. I noticed in your bio, you spoke about an open mic, uh, open poetry mic you host once a month. What is it about open mic that prompts you to do this? I could talk all night about open mic, but I'm a huge proponent of the spoken word. Poetry is something common to all of us. It's like our human birthright. And I wanted a venue where I could hear poems spoken aloud and where I could speak aloud. And I wanted it to be free and I wanted it to be fair. Our only rule is no apologies. So you can't apologize for the poem or make a disclaimer about it before you start. That's it. Anything else goes. And there just aren't too many places, you know, where you can declaim about love or hate or despair or jealousy or rage or religion or politics or sex. 
without any repercussions or argument or acrimony. This way, you know, we all sort of pledge to each other that we're going to listen. And we sit there and whatever the poet says, that's the truth in the moment. So somehow that allows me to hear all kinds of different things, opinions that I wouldn't necessarily listen to in a conversation. So I, I love that openness. I think that free expression and emotions is couched in poetry. It gives it a special thing that lets us hear it. Poetry creates boundaries of its own. For the most part, poems shape themselves into fairly short, palatable, digestible, cohesive forms just because they are poems. Yeah. You know, with the many, many poetry readings I've gone to and the many poetry open mic nights all over the world that I've been to, I've never, ever regretted going to one. Yeah. I mean, I've always taken something away from every reading I've gone to. So what you said resonates with me. I want to go back to something you said about, for the most part, poems shape themselves into fairly short, palatable, digestible, cohesive forms. What do you mean by that? Well, like take breath, for example. The number of words that one can say distinctly without pausing while still making sense is regulated by our breathing. So in a way, it's limited by our breath. And that makes a kind of form all by itself. And also, poetry, by its very definition, is succinct and pithy. It's an idea pared down to essence, an accounting of a specific subject. So, of course, there are epic poets, but they're few and far between. And there are ramblers who go on and on with streams of consciousness. But again, it's, it's not the norm. And in an open mic situation where people take turns the audience can tolerate even, you know, this feeblest performance for the length of a turn. And for me, one of the, again, one of the joys of open mic is that tolerance it demands. If you want folks to listen to you, you have to listen to them. Time and again, I find myself humbled by some brilliant line or startling image or genuine expression of unadulterated emotion that's tucked into a piece that seems incredibly unproposed, un, I can never say this word, unprepossessing mm -hmm. to begin with. So open mic teaches me to really pay attention and not to prejudge based on appearance or delivery or subject matter. And as human beings, that, that's something difficult for us to do, but poetry teaches, teaches us that, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, your, your winning poem that you're going to read for us tonight, where did you get your inspiration for that poem? And did you write the poem especially for the competition or did the poem have another origin? No, I actually wrote it for my friend Carol Rowley. I really like to write birthday poems for my friends. And I base them on things like astrological signs or favorite colors or recent events in their lives, stuff they like, their talents, and I start sorting through all those kinds of things until something resonates. And then intuition guides my pen. And once I find a starting point, the associations just follow along. It's really an interesting way to do a poem. Yeah, that sounds like a tremendously effective way of writing poetry. Is there a theme to the poem that you're going to read to us tonight? Or, and if there is, can you describe and explain it? 
Yeah, the theme is, the title of the poem is actually the theme. It's called Balancing Act. So my friend had this really busy year while trying to juggle lots of familial and emotional issues. And balance seemed like a blessing she would welcome. And the idea of the board came from an equinox ritual I participated in. The fall and spring equinox, you probably know this, lie halfway between summer and winter. Mm -hmm. So each one is composed of equal amounts of night and day and dark and night. Mm -hmm. And so in this ritual, we actually walked along a board balancing (laughs) (laughs) as part of the ritual. So that's where the idea came from. And then Carol is a master gardener, and she's an accomplished artist. And there's a phrase in my poem, fat-bellied coil pots. Mm -hmm. And that refers to a specific work which she painted on a wooden board. And she also likes to cook, and I've eaten at her table. But the scorched wooden spoon comes from my own marriage. So there are all these things that creep into a poem, you know, from here, there, and everywhere. But I try and have it be relevant to the person I'm writing about. Well, that's fascinating. What poetic form did you use for the poem and why? I like free verse better Mm because obviously freedom is my thing here. I do enjoy the challenge of specific poems. I mean, specific forms as an exercise and for the focus they demand. So I've learned a lot about my craft from writing, you know, sonnets and villanelles and rondeau, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy rhyme when it happens spontaneously. But I don't like the way my poems sound if I force words and ideas Mm -hmm. into place. So for me to be satisfied with a poem, it has to ring true to both my inner and outer ear. And that happens with free verse more than anything else. Okay. Well, I think we've talked a lot about the poem. Would you mind reading it for us now? Oh, I'd love to. Balancing Act. She balances upon a board that might be a plank of two by four, left over when she replaced the rotting birdhouse post placed too near a sprinkler, or some piece of artist board painted on both sides with starry skies and snowscapes, purple mountains, and fat-bellied coil pots. It could be a hefty wooden spoon, scorched along one side, set too close to flame when she, distracted by some argument or wry endearment, forgot to move it. Now the dark scar is burnished, polished smooth by time and talent, rather like her life, rough edges rubbed away, sharp corners softened, until she glows with a rich patina of grace. Passion mastered, she chooses when to measure out, when to gush and flow. Oh my goodness, what a wonderful poem. Oh, thank you. The musicality of it, I mean, it really catches you. And the way you read it, you know, uh, it it almost felt as though it was being sung. Does that come naturally to you, the the musicality? Or is it one of those things that you have to edit and edit until you get it to sound right? No, I hear it in my head when I'm writing it. Mm -hmm. And I have to go back and tweak. But if that rhythm is like breathing, like I said, like breathing or my heartbeat or walking. or Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Hard to say, describe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. When I began writing poetry, I would seldom go back and edit a poem. But now as I, I write, uh, I, I started off as a modern mentalist, but then I started understanding that if I was going to write poems that were going to be longer, that were going to have longer lines, 
that I, I needed to possess that editor bone. You know, so did it come to you that way that at first, you know, when you wrote a poem, that was it? Or were you always editing your poems? Oh, no, it's something I learned. I think you just, you know, I had to learn not to be so attached to my darlings. Mm. (laughs) Let things go. You know, for the sake of the, like we were talking about the rhythm, for the sake of the rhythm, for the sake of the sound and for the meaning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that editing process. And I love the editing. It's just as fun for me as actually writing a poem. So those now those two have become a you know almost a dance for me yeah but yeah no I go back and I go back and you know I probably would find something in this poem to tweak a little bit (laughs) and you know what I'm going to comment on something here open mics and poetry readings uh, have helped me develop my editor skills Mm. because when I hear and I read other people's poetry it's amazing how I can see things that don't fit or don't work, you know, that Absolutely. way. You can't see it in your own poetry, right? <laughs> but you can see it in someone else's. But as you build that editor, I call it the editor bone. As right. you build that editor bone, then you can bring it to your own poetry and use it. So let's kind of change subject a little bit. Why is poetry important to everyone today? Oh. <laughs> it's always important. It's, it's just our, like I said, it's our birthright. You know, we are speaking animals endowed with language. And the first thing people came up with was poetry. I mean, I think people spoke in poems when they first started speaking. It's certainly the way we remembered our history and our, gosh, everything, our birthdays, mm-hmm. our whatever thing we needed to remember, we rhymed it. Mm-hmm. So we created these Poetry is a mnemonic device, if you will, for remembering. Anyway, so today, it seems to me our attention span is dwindling alarmingly, Mm -hmm. but poetry cuts to the chase. So I think especially kids can listen to it, you know, because it's like, in a way, it's like an ad, like Mm -hmm. a commercial. Right. I mean, I hate to say that, but, you know, it's got that same soundbite kind of quality to it. So I think it's a way to capture attention to more significant things now because of that pithiness that's built into it. That's wonderful. What's your advice to new poets about finding ideas for poems and writing? Well, I think prompts are everywhere, but it takes practice to notice them. So you have to develop your eye and your ear for them kind of like looking for arrowheads or four leaf clovers you know Mm -hmm. after a while they just pop out at you I don't like myself I don't like ordinary tweets like what did you do last summer or write about your first kiss you know it's like oh Mm -hmm. barf but (laughs) but there's all kinds of really interesting prompts available now and in pre-packaged for you in books and magazines and kits. Mm -hmm. But the real key is to write every day. It doesn't matter whether it's good or not, or even if you like it or not, just write something and then file it away and look at it. And you'll be surprised how good some of it is. And then the rest is always there as a resource. I've gone back into my file of snippets is what I call it and Mm -hmm. picked out things that have turned into a whole poem you know, that were just one line sometimes mm-hmm. from the past. Yeah. So. 
I've had new writers tell me when I write a bad poem, it discourages me from Mm, uh, mm -hmm. continuing writing. And I like to use the analogy. I said, well, you have to write badly first to get all of that out of you. You have to get all the bad poetry out of you. Exactly. And then don't be discouraged because in the future, you're going to write 10 poems, but maybe one of them is really going to have something going on. Absolutely. But it's still therapeutic. It's still skill building by writing all the time, right? Every day, right when you have the opportunity, right when you are experiencing a feeling, an emotion, Mm -hmm. right, right, right. So you're absolutely right. (laughs) (laughs) So how important is it for poets to participate in a poetry community? Like your open mics and with the organizations like our sponsor for this show, the Poetry Society of Texas. Well, I belong to the Denton Poets Assembly, which is a Denton chapter. And my group is just really important to me. It just gives me feedback that strengthens and improves your work. You know what you said about hearing other people read their poetry mm-hmm. and being able to learn about your own from that. And I mean, sometimes it's criticism and I mean, critiquing and sometimes it's just so fabulous. It's like, oh, wow, I could do that with words. I could put them <laughs> together in that new way I hadn't thought yeah. of before. So I love that. And also in our group, we read our poems aloud and I can feel this is the importance of an audience. I can feel that when I've got them, you know, and then when I've lost them Mm -hmm. and a lot of times I think I've been at my most clear and I'm at my most obscure because I know what I meant, but somehow I didn't get it across. So that's good for me. It Mm -hmm. keeps me humble too. And also, the group inspires me. You know, when I hear other poets read, it makes me itch to write. (laughs) So, I don't know. You know, it gives me new ideas, and I see things from a different perspective. And I just can't stress the importance of having an audience. And I know I like to read to people that aren't poets, but I love also to read to poets because then you can talk about the craft. Mm -hmm. And that's really nice. And how often are your open mics in Denton? Oh, they're once a month. They're the third Thursday of every month, and they're at our local art center. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Christine, this was great for you to be here. Thank you for reading your poem, and thank you for being our guest tonight. Oh, thank you for having me, Terry. I really enjoyed it. This has been a Poetry Society of Texas podcast featuring Christine Irving. Visit the website at poetrysocietyoftexas.org. The podcast producer is me, Terry Jude Miller. Music provided by Ed and Mim Frita. And technical editing by J. Darrell Kirkley. Visit again for another episode of the Poetry Society of Texas podcast. <laughs>